Hello, and welcome to Second Helpings, a Grace Fellowship podcast designed to serve up another round of insight and application from our Sunday morning corporate worship gatherings. Pull up, dig in, and get filled as we take another taste of God's greatness. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Second Helpings. I am Pastor Zach. I'm joined again by Pastor Dan to review our service, the message from this past week on October 17th, 2021. The year of our Lord, 2021. Why do we get rid of that? It seems so go. fun when you oh, say that. Oh, yeah. We should bring all sorts our of stuff back. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I'm in Camelot. <laughs> there you go. It's, it makes it so fancy. So uh, maybe it'll be a special edition here. Um, but anyway, we're in Second Timothy. We're in our urgent series. And uh, this week we were looking at uh, chapter 1, verses 13 and 14-ish. Yes. yes. <laughs> Except for no 14. Yeah, big emphasis on 13. Yeah. Yeah. But before we start, I just want to I want to read this text to um, give us some context as we carry on our conversation. So uh, and again, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith in love that are in Christ Jesus. And then 14 says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So yeah, as we said, we'll focus on 13. That's kind of how the message lended itself. Yeah. But really just to start with that text, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me. Can you just elaborate on some of the implications from that? I know they're myriad, but it just it yeah. give us some more on that particular verse. Well, I think if it w- this wasn't in the Bible, people would really question it. And so I'd actually like to question it because it's in the Bible in this way. So when he says to him, follow, that's, as we talked about, it's a present imperative. It's the idea of a command. Uh, the sound words that you heard from me. So this idea of sound words, it's, it's really, you could translate it, healthy message. So somebody's saying that the, I command you to follow my message, which is healthy. Uh, that's exceptionally arrogant. Mm. I mean, that's an incredible statement. If you want to get spiritual truth down, if you want to get life down, if you understand who God is, who you are, how we relate, follow what I say. <laughs> that's a big deal. You better be bringing some heat. <laughs> yeah, and so I think it, it's, it speaks to this idea of authority, that Paul is on this idea of authority underneath this passage is it's true that whatever authority you latch onto, it'll shape the trajectory of your life and the outcome of your life. And so therefore, we see this every day. So we go to a, a mechanic because we think he's the authority. He will help us. We go to a doctor because he's the authority. He will help us. We entrust our loved ones to this doctor because we believe he's the authority. The same thing when it comes to Scripture. So when Paul says this to Timothy, he's making a proclamation of this is authority. This is how you know authority. This is how you relate to authority. This is how you're going to be able to define who God is, who you are, how you relate. And it comes through the sound words that I've given you, which is a game changer. As I said on Sunday, the tentacles of implication of that one verse are myriad. And so it's really the idea of authorities here, consistency, Timothy, what you need to be is consistent in following my words. So that bleeds into authority. Timothy understood the authority. We don't so much. We uh, need to understand that whoever you follow spiritually, as far as you look to or listen to or uh, emulate, whoever that person is, if it's a church that believes in all people go to heaven someday, if that's the authority that you believe and you listen to and you put yourself under, that's going to change the way you see God and the way you see others. If you go to a militant church, 
Uh, you're going to see God in a certain way. You're going to see others in a certain way. So when people go to a church, when they submit to a spiritual authority in their life, uh, they need to know the implications for this. And this also translates to who you look for for news or who you yeah. look for for oh, insight. Yeah. It's just a general thing we traffic in all the time. But for Paul and Timothy, this is a big deal because Timothy has shrunk back from some of these things, and he's not, he's maybe looking for secret sauce issues of how do I address this or how do I do this? And he says, listen, let's boil it down. Just follow the healthy message that you've been given from me. Do that. Be consistent in that. And that's exactly what you should do. And so for us today, I think that's really important. Who are we listening to? Who are we looking to? Who are we submitting to? Because whoever those people are, it's going to shape your view yeah. of God, shape your view of others, affect the trajectory of your life, the outcome of your life, absolutely. So it's a, it's a big deal. So there's a lot in verse 13. Yeah. Well, I think the flip side of that too is um, almost from an assessment standpoint, I can look at your life and get a general idea of what your authority is, mm. right? Like we can't yeah. pinpoint it exactly, but the... Because you're living according yep. to a certain authority, sure. you're going to act a certain way. Therefore, you could look at, let's make it that way. You could look at my life and you can yeah. say, well, well, I wonder what authority he is submitting to. Sure. And hopefully that it would be um, scripture. Well, actually, let me pivot to that because mm -hmm. Paul's got Timothy. I mean, Timothy has Paul yeah. writing to him. Yeah. We don't have Paul writing to us. Yeah. But there's an authority to be recognized there. So like, how do we relate to that, the idea yeah, of authority? Yeah, it's really important because... When he goes, well, Paul, you're an apostle. Uh, do we have those today? In other words, should be we looking? Should we be looking for an apostle, an authority figure? No, not if we believe Ephesians chapter two. So in Ephesians chapter two, it talks about the fact that uh, in that passage it says, "Those no longer." Are we strangers and aliens, but we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So he says, well, the prophets of the Old Testament, look forward, the, the apostles of the New Testament, the sent ones in, in the sense of authoritative ones, uh, those were the ones who give us the message that Jesus alluded to in John 14, 15, and 16 about the Holy Spirit coming. So he's given us everything we need for life and godliness through the apostles, through the Spirit. And so therefore today, we look to the scriptures. So Timothy would look to the apostle Paul. After that time period is gone, and that's been laid down, there's only one foundation. You don't lay multiple foundations. So it doesn't matter what an individual might say they are. So if there's somebody going down the highway or somebody you see in the internet and they say, I'm an apostle so-and-so, or listen to apostle so-and-so, um, well, he's not an apostle. So immediately there you go, that's not a good source yeah. of authority because there's a foundation that has been laid by the prophets in the Old Testament, giving truth from God. And Jesus commissioned the apostles in the new. They laid it down. They laid the truth down. And that's the authority we look to. So if anybody minimizes Scripture, a pastor minimizes Scripture, or makes Scripture say something it's never meant to say that warps your idea of who God is and what the gospel is, that's a bad authority. Yeah. So we have the ability to measure people. So on Sunday when people come to the church and I get into the text, 
if I start saying stuff that simply makes no sense in regard to the text, it just couldn't make sense to people back then what I'm saying. People should question the legitimacy of my authority on the basis I'm not drawing from the truth of Scripture. That's the basis, is you're making Scripture say or not say what it does say. That's, that's a big difference. I think that's really good. And I think there's a couple of things that I want to touch on from that. One, this sense of authority is there is no such thing as any human being who has ever had authority in and of themselves. Yeah. Every authority that has ever been administered yeah. is as a steward of God's authority. There's only one authority. So now when we interact, as, even as elders, we don't. you don't have an authority, I don't have an authority. We have that which has been ordained to us by the position the Lord's given us through the local church, mm-hmm. but we're still stewarding the authority. And the way that we get how to do that is through that word. Uh, there's not some new apostle, which is kind of the second point I wanted to hit, is if the guy on the billboard is saying, is it possible? There's only, there's only two possible things that can be happening. Mm. One is ignorance. And ignorance it's is true. something that can occur. You might not it's understand. Yeah. Maybe there's a tradition that does that, and you're not claiming yeah. to be a foreteller or a, a, a speaking God's word. Yeah. Two, you're a charlatan. Yeah. Like if you do understand it and you're doing that, because here's the other part, Dan. I thought I think about this when you're saying it. I've always wondered, why aren't they publishing books? I mean, they're apostles. They yeah. have the word of living God. Too I would cool. want that, right? You know, so that's hyperbolic, yeah. and I'm being silly. Yeah. But those are the only two possibilities. So and be, and, beware, buyer. And then the first possibility, if he's ignorant and he's putting this on the billboard, and he has a church. Then I go, you shouldn't have a billboard, and you shouldn't have a church. That's right. So you're ignorant, but you're also disqualified. Yeah, that's a good point. There's a point in all of our. I'm I'm very ignorant about underwater basket weaving. I, there's not much I know about it. That I've heard it surprises it's me. <laughs> he thought it was something I was into. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. yeah, you know what's so sad is Dan just realized he's not going to get the Christmas present he was hoping for. All oh, right, that's all right. I would burn it anyhow. <laughs> that's that true. It's like fire. It's yeah. um, but the idea of I'm ignorant of that, and that's understandable. If you are ignorant about yeah. something that you should not be ignorant as a leader, yeah. You're you're disqualified. Yeah, if you go, if a doctor goes, hey, I'm a surgeon, but this this particular procedure, I don't have a clue. I've never done it. Well, you're not really a surgeon. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're not really. If a mechanic goes, well, what is that? And you go, that's that's my car. It has four wheels. Oh no, I don't work on that. Well, you're not a mechanic <laughs> yeah. then. Yeah. yeah. So the same way you wouldn't pay the guy. The same way you would say, doctor, please put down the scalpel. Right. Totally. You need to also say, pastor. Please step out of the desk. Right? Yeah. Desk. Yeah. Sorry, using old school words. Desk pulpit. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah. Um, so uh, now I got to bring up a, a, a what, what could be a little bit of a conflict on the cameras and in the, the microphones. I don't. I, but I got to call you out because you called me out during the message, right? Oh wow. We were talking about Paul and Barnabas's. So oh I yeah. Know you're yeah. saying Zach's got no Barnabas in him, and I just felt you beaming down on me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, elaborate on that a little bit more, talking about this idea of these different types of people. You pointed the, the two different types um, and the, the body of Christ is benefiting from both types, but to be aware of who you are and kind of your personalities. Yeah, so in Galatians 1 and 2, we see that, that Peter and Paul come together. Peter has been a shrinking back from the Gentiles. And so culturally denying the faith. So culturally he's pulling back and that's leaving for implications of, so is the gospel not enough to accept the Gentiles? Because if you're not accepting them, maybe God isn't accepting them. Because Judaizers had come and said, yeah, trusting in Christ is great. Trust in Christ plus all the things that are in the Old Testament, because that's what they look to for their significance. That's what they look to for their gospel. 
And so when Paul shows up and he sees this, he opposes him to the face because Paul is a truth-telling individual. He tells the truth. In that passage, it talks about that the Barnabas was even led astray. And if we trace back Barnabas's ID, his fingerprints, we see in Acts chapter 4, we see in Acts chapter 9, we see in Acts chapter 11, he's a tender-hearted individual who cares deeply for people, so much so that he sold property, gave it to the apostles. He wants to see the kingdom spread. He was the guy who advocated for Paul after the Damascus Road when everybody else was saying, this guy's a dangerous guy. Barnabas was saying, but he is trusting in Christ, and he brings him and advocates for him, and he hugs him, embraces him, and tells everybody else she should embrace him too. And all of a sudden, because of what Peter's done, this tender-hearted individual, Barnabas, has been led astray because he's accepting, he's encouraging, mm -hmm. he doesn't, he's not given to conflict. And so I think within those two uh, sketches, we have Paul, who's a truth teller, and Barnabas is a tender-hearted person, we find people in the church as well. And so one of the things that we've got to be mindful of is if you're a truth teller, you need a Barnabas nearby. And if you're a Barnabas who's tender-hearted, you need a Paul, a truth teller nearby. Because even when it comes to Antioch, Gentiles are coming to Christ, Barnabas was sent there. And what does he do? Because he's accepting them, but he can't necessarily tell them the truth and walk them through doctrine. He can't lay it out the way it needs to be. What does he do? He goes and finds Paul, yeah. brings Paul back. And for over a year, they spend time with the people at Antioch, the Gentiles, helping them understand. So Barnabas, the tenderhearted, needs the truth teller. Paul needs the tender heart of Barnabas as well. And we see that actually work out in Paul's life later on in his ministry when it comes to accepting people he wouldn't necessarily have accepted earlier. So I think the implication of that is, is in the, that second part of verse 13, where it talks about um, that you've heard from me, these sound words, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. That idea of faith has the idea, I think it's synonym of for, for truth, because to Timothy, that idea of faith was not merely uh, the faith, this works, but it's also the idea of truth works. So I think they're really one and the same. And so he's trying to encourage Timothy, listen, you need to believe following these healthy words is the key to your ministry. Be consistent in that. And by the way, love people, commit to people, have the truth-telling aspects of telling the truth, and have the tender heart that is in Christ Jesus because he has been this way to you. So if you question, can I tell the truth that we needs to be said? Trust the Lord to do that in your life. Can I love the people I need to love? trust this the, the Lord to do that in your life, because those things are in Christ Jesus. And he starts with Christ Jesus, the anointed Messiah term, Christus, yep. Christ Jesus. He's the one who will enable you to be able to walk in this way as you follow my sound teaching. And so uh, it's really an incredibly powerful verse, not only to the authority, but then the how of authority being worked out in telling the truth and being tenderhearted. I think that's good to think about this idea of – I don't want to go too much down this path, I guess, but I think we can get – we're looking for identity all the time in things. Like mm -hmm. Facebook will send you a, what di which Disney princess were you? Or whatever, you take these different you quizzes. You get a lot up. of those princesses. <laughs> I, mean, I don't do exactly. Facebook, so you know, I don't I get do. those quizzes. But I people, think you'd be more of a mermaid. Uh, yeah, well, there, yeah, I don't know. That'd be interesting. We'd you'd see. be a hairy mermaid. <laughs> 
we'll have to do it one time. Maybe we'll do a staff and we'll post it out on the website. Tell you what princess he played. Maybe I'll do the Star Wars characters. Um, but but we have these things because then we even hear things about like. Uh, I'm not gonna remember the, the enogram and the people doing personality tests at work. Mm-hmm. And um, I did pers- a bunch of personality tests through leadership development when I was in the corporate world. And, and there's those things are interesting. Yeah. But we start to identify with them. And then I see that in the church mm-hmm. being with like spiritual gifts, right? People yeah. will take a spiritual gift test and they'll try to figure out these things. Yeah. Um, I broke a spiritual gift test once. Oh, yeah. So it took a spiritual gift test to where you're supposed to score in every category. And then I came back. I had zero mercy. I broke it like you weren't allowed to have it. They kicked you out of the building. <laughs> there you go. Well, here's the thing. It's kind of get to the point is people go, well, I don't have that gifting. There's a problem. Mm-hmm. So if I, as somebody that doesn't on this test anyway, score zero in mercy, I go, well, I'm just not wired that way. Yeah. I have a problem. Jesus was wired that way. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't called to be a certain type of gifting or a certain thing. I was called to emulate Jesus Christ. Yeah. So if you find out you're deficient in these things towards the body, yeah. you don't just go tap out and just let somebody else do it. You partner with other people. I dig deep. Thankfully, yeah. the Lord gave me a mercy. I married a mercy. Right? She's yeah. got that in droves. And I learned from her. But if you just sit there and go, this is who I am. I'm not going mm-hmm. to work with other brothers and sisters to grow in Christ. But you are hindering your sanctification mm-hmm. and consequentially the joy that you're going to have in emulating Christ. Not okay. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. When people use it, those types of things as an excuse versus an invitation. That's right. It's not an excuse to say that's not me. It's an invitation to go, okay, Lord, stretch me. Yeah. It's an invitation to expand your borders. Yeah. And the great thing is that Christ was all of it. Yeah. And so, therefore, we were already accepted on the base of what Christ has done. So now let's explore the gifting or the personality or the empathy or the viewpoint of somebody who's not you or you and not the way you need to be. And I think it parallels the idea of authority. So in Ephesians, when he's talking about the idea of authority, husband and wife, it's interesting. Right before that, he talks about submit to one another out of reverence yeah. for Christ. Yeah. So I think that sometimes people pigeonhole go, oh, well, this is my role as the guy. I got to lay it down. <laughs> and you go, hey, did you just look a, f- a verse or two before that? And so it doesn't mean I'm going to want to get into the complementarian and the whole thing. But the idea is, is that uh, there's a lot more there. Yeah. And when people start using scripture as an excuse to do something, that's when you start, wait a minute, hang on a second. Christ is wanting to grow us up and challenge us and change us. Uh, he's not writing prescriptions for us to be the same. That's right. And I'll tell you, I just, now this is, I don't have a, a proof text for this. This is just from experience, from working on those places where I am naturally inadequate. So, like with mercy, I think I've become a much more merciful person. And the Lord has mm. worked at me. In other things, yeah, like, and it's been, I mean, where I may be in my natural gifting, and I think this is for a lot of us. You probably don't even notice a lot of the stuff that you do that you do well. Yeah, it's the way the Lord's designed you yeah. to do something. Where other people might be fascinated by it. I really, when I look back and I'm in a conversation with somebody that really doesn't deserve mercy, and the Lord kind of works yeah. on me and grants me the ability to do that because of things that I've worked on, you yeah. know, through sanctification, I'll go away from it. I'll be blessed all day. Yeah. Right? Totally. So there's just, I think there's a treasure trove of blessing to be had there. Don't shy away from it. Yeah. Work on those things. You honor the Lord in the doing of and it. And I think in a lot of ways, you see the work of Christ much more clearly, as you said on your weaknesses being developed because you've lived with your strengths. Yeah. 
but now you're discovering your weaknesses and you're employing. And I think it's a conscious way of God uh, shaping you and going, look what I'm doing in your life. Yeah. Those other things you you don't see as clearly, but the, the relief on this is, is bright because you're just not that way. You're not wired that way. Yeah. And you've known that for a long time. So I think that's really good. I'll tell you a, qu- a quick story, a quick personal testimony story. This is, this is ridiculous. But I remember... Not, I, more I, ridiculous I, than the mermaid? It's more ridiculous. Mermaid. I don't know. But I remember uh, when I played football, I loved a lot of stuff about football. I was good at it. You enjoy being good at something. But um, I was never on the punt team because I was huge and slow. So I was never going to tackle anybody. Ever, yeah. but the guy that guy got hurt. I had to go out and be on the punt team. So sorry for those of you that don't know football, but everybody should know, should know this part of it. We talk about it a lot. Something happened to where I got free, and I don't know if the Lord just added gravity under the ball or whatever. But I got the tackle on the punt, and I mean the full-on big old guy coming, and I nailed the guy. And nobody else was around. And it was like we had just won the championship for me because the reason I bring that up is I never had done yeah, that. Yeah. And the point was we went the next week we're watching Tate going back over the game and the coach saying, here's all these things Zach did that are great. And I'm like, hey, coach, where's my tackle? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was the thing that stuck out to me. And I just think I use that silly story to remind ourselves we every once in a while need to go back and look at the tackle oh, yeah. where the Lord blessed you with doing something that you would never do in your natural, natural strength because you know – that was the Lord. And that's not the only time he's working in your life. Yeah. He's doing all all the stuff you think you do great. That's also the Lord too. But there's these little moments where you do something and you go, man, thank you for giving me that. It reminds him that he's working with us intimately. And it shows that we, we're sometimes moving so fast. We're just so oblivious to things. There's so much to be said for slowing down or taking moments in your week or in your day to go, you know, God, open my eyes to the ways that you're shaping me and making different, asking friends, hey, have you seen the work of Christ in my life and how encouraging that would be? And how often we might notice that in the life of somebody going, man, you've really grown, but we never tell it. We never uh, follow up with the verbal word. And we could be so encouraging to people because they're wondering, is God doing something? But it's like when you have uh, another story for me, when uh, my mother-in-law built a, a, a... a pond, like a little outside uh, pond area oh, for her. Koi pond, like a little koi. Yeah. That's what they were there, of course. So she had a fish tank. So we put them out there, and all summer they grew. And when I went to put them back in the tank inside during the winter, they were enormous. <laughs> now, how did I know they're enormous? They looked the normal size in the pond outside. It was because I brought them back, yeah. and I noticed based on their previous environment, they're so much bigger. Yeah. And so I think incrementally, we don't see the growth in our life. And sometimes saying to somebody, hey, you've really grown in that could be incredibly encouraging to them. Yeah. Well, and circling back to the text, don't we see this is Paul is doing both of these things of one admonishing Timothy mm. and he's also encouraging him again, telling him about where he, we talked about the previous week about the faith that you got with your uh, your yeah. mother and whatnot. So what a great example of what it is to be encouraging one another yeah. in Christ. Um, so I do want to think about one thing. The oh, We've got some other stuff to go over, but... The takeaway mm-hmm. on the um, about growing in the sound doctrine, right? So the, the text again says, mm. follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. Yeah. And I just wanted to give a moment to think, I, I wonder if some people could use some development and getting their roots deeper in the sound doctrine. Mm. And I, I'm guilty of this. I don't think I give maybe some people some practical ways to grow in that. 
because uh, you've been doing it for so long. Yeah. What do you maybe think some ways that we can help people, not just the reading of your Bible, but to really grow in their understanding of sound doctrine? Yeah, I think uh, not only the Bible, but then also be around in the discussion groups. Intentionalize times in which you'll take a subject and you'll be with people and you'll discuss it. Yeah. And you let their insights come up on it, the things that God has shown them from the Word. The other thing is you can read missionary biographies. You can read uh, people, uh, historical people who just trusted the Lord. You can be, read on an issue and how people took the truth of God's Word and applied it to this. There's so many ways in which you can get that into your head. And I would even say, really passive, but I think really effective, listen to music. Listen to mm -hmm. music that draws on Scripture. Worship music that's explicitly rooted in the truths of God's Word. And all of those ways, you'll, you'll be building up, putting blocks of understanding together so that you can start building this kind of fortress that keeps the bad stuff out and retains the good stuff. Yeah. It's interesting because I think um, I was years ago... Um, when I was doing efficiency stuff, I was looking at getting the uh, Six Sigma black belt certification thing. And I asked somebody on one of my teams about how they went about doing that. And they had so much stuff to give me. Read this book, go to this website, yeah. do this thing. And I thought, that's a general kind of thing that people can do. Yeah. If you ask them about something they're into, they don't generally just go, oh, I don't know, I picked it up along the way. Generally, they'll get passionate about yeah, it. Like if they're into it, do this, this is the best yeah. site, don't go to this site, do whatever. And I'm thinking we have a lot of resources available uh, yeah. to us as believers. Um, and if you want to learn about something, they're there. Like, go get them. So, one, I think uh -huh. I appreciate you saying that about the conversations because there's a resource probably sitting next to you in the pew, so to speak, that you're probably not tapping into. Maybe tapping into for a recipe or something about the game or whatever. But man, there's treasures there, you know. Yeah, and matter of fact, it was brought up. We have taste of grace after the service for new people. Uh, my wife had brought up that that's exactly what I used to do when I was in school. I always take one of my theology teachers, take another theology teacher, and I would ask them questions. So I'd go ask Dr. Master something, and then I'd go talk to Dr. Johnson, and I would use their arguments, and that was fantastic <laughs> because. And, I wasn't thinking that it must make me look awfully smart, but I was I was learning as I went. I was like, wow, that's a great argument. So I'd go read on it, and then I'd go take it back. And I would regularly do that. And I would tell people, absolutely, find a pastor, find a person that you respect, ask them questions, ask them strong questions, find out their thinking, their methodology, what scripture they go to. And just don't take the easy answer. Really push, because I, I just think that's so important. That's a big value in our culture here. Asking questions, diving into the Word, uh, seeing how it fits together. Because when you see how it fits together, you understand who God is better. Yeah, It's not just Absolutely. knowing it to know yeah. it. It's knowing it to know Him. Yeah. It's not an answer at the end of the day. It's a person. Yeah. And hear that, Lester, you said that very important, that we're using the Lord's Word to do that. We are not saying that somebody can have an answer apart from that. Yeah. So you need to have the predicate and just study Scripture. Use the tools available to you. There's free stuff online. You can get the free – we use this Bible software called Logos or Logos, however yeah. you want to go with it, uh, L-O-G-O-S dot com. Yeah. And we've got the big, robust versions that you pay for. But their free version, yeah. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. No, you can no, go out, really download that, really have it on your helpful. phone. Yeah. yeah. So there's resources out there. Know the Word. You know other stuff. And I, I can hear the person go, I'm not a good student. I don't learn things well or whatever. 
Work hard anyway. You, you podcast, pick it up along. You can listen Absolutely. to it. You can listen to, to pastors. When you listen to pastors, make sure you're following with the words in the scripture so you yeah. can piece it together, write in your Bible, write things down. That's how I kind of engage with it for sure. So no, that's how you stand firm to sound doctrine. You yeah. got to know what you're standing on, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for some of you, that might be more work than others, but for all of us, we should be working hard at it, no yep. matter how far along yep. we are. So, all right, well, we're probably at the million million minute mark at this point. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we're going long. Um, so we got more to preach from. So instead yeah. of, I usually ask you if you got anything left, but I know you got something left because you got verse 14. Yeah, verse 14, so. and we'll go to the rest of the end of the passage because what we're going to see, verse 14, is that he's got a charge. You know, he's supposed to guard the deposit. And again, that that's a present imperative. So it's a command. So follow the sound and then guard what the Holy Spirit has given you. And then we're going to see examples of people who, who didn't guard it. And so we're going to run that to the end of uh, chapter one yeah. this Sunday. Good stuff. We'll look forward to it. Lord yeah. willing, we'll be back here next week talking about it. Yeah. So until then, you guys focus on spreading the fame of God by making disciples of Jesus Christ and enjoying everything that comes along with that. So until next time, we'll see you. <laughs>